Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Welcome to another episode of Positivity Strategist, and warm greetings from me, Robin Stratton-Burkessel. This is episode PS73, for those of you who like to read the show notes and find access to any resources that we mention. That is positivitystrategist.com slash PS73. Now, this episode is yet another change in format for me. I'm becoming increasingly experimental as a podcaster, and I love it. Thanks for all the invitations to play in different ways. Now, this week I'm in conversation with Millie Thempson-Duvander. And let me spell that for you, because Millie comes from Denmark. Millie is her first name, M-I-L-L-E, Themsen or Themsen, T-H-E-M-S-E-N, and Duvander, D-U-V-A-N-D-R. Now, Millie is completing her PhD through the Taos, Taos Institute, and you'll know that educational research institution from a number of my earlier guests who, like me, are associates of the Taos Institute and who are starting or completing or considering their PhD studies through Taos. So Millie's in her PhD research phase right now, and her dissertation is scheduled to be submitted early next year. Her research is inspired by social constructionism, and it's focused on appreciative inquiry practitioners and their organic growth. She's interested in doing research and finding out more about how AI practitioners pursue their own individual growth and development um, and where it takes them. And this is why she reached out to me to have such a conversation. Now, this episode is a range of snippets. Um, It's about 30 minutes long and it includes a whole bunch of topics such as empathy and intuition, permission, legitimacy, contradiction, with a whole lot of different stories, and energy. We focus a lot on energy. So um, out of our 80-minute conversation, we, um, I've edited it to these key topics that I hope you'll find stimulating and interesting. And we ended up both in the same space, actually, we both ended up thinking that we recognize we both want to explore more about the topic of human energy in relational spaces. Well, thank you for inviting me to um, to chat with you. And I could ask you so many questions, but I know that you <laughs> you reached out to me with some of your curiosity. So maybe I should withhold mine for the moment. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, so what is it about these questions? You know, you, you actually need to do something, you know, active to hold yourself back from questioning. What, what, is, it, what is it about questions? Oh, my goodness. That's a beautiful question straight away. Um, I, well, when 
you come into this world of appreciative inquiry and my sense is that most people are in that space intuitively already and so Mm. they're seekers and so they're looking for ways to affirm who they are in the world and so Mm. um, they, excuse me, they either deliberately go out and look for something that will, um, will affirm who they are and support what they're doing. And so they're curious about, you know, what, what are the theories in the world? What are the practices in the world? Mm. Or, they, they, or serendipitously or synchronously, AI finds them. And in fact, in the interviews that I do, I usually find that, it's, that often AI finds them so, um, because it's this intuition, this sense that, you know, there's got to be another way of being in the world. So you come from this place of curiosity and inquiry. And so when you know there is a, a theory, um, there is a whole body of work that um, is all around inquiry and particularly coming from this worldview or this lens of what's to be valued and what's mm-hmm. to be appreciated um, and what's to be celebrated and what's, you know, all the things that we know are out in the world, but perhaps by default we don't focus on them. When we come from that space, we're just extra curious. So it's the questions, it's the inquiry. You just want to know why and more and how and what. The more that you enact appreciative inquiry and you embed the principles and you live through this, you are in this state of wanting to know more um, and seeking to understand more about individuals um, and their situations. Mm. So it's one, I think, by um, almost by nature, you know, that it's part of perhaps your, your, your personality makeup. Um, and the other is, I think, by training. So like somebody are more, um, have a preference of, of uh, living or being like this and somebody... other people may need to kind of integrate it into their being or yeah yeah I uh, um, possibly so I mean I think if you do any of these personality profile assessments and you find out your preference or you understand you know what your thinking style is or you do any of the you know the VIA the strengths character strengths or you do strengths finder any of these kinds of assessment tools might give you some insights about where your preferences and your own um, natural talents are, you know, your strengths. And so Mm. you can develop those. Um, But we know, I mean, we know from positive psychology and we know through appreciative inquiry that there are a whole bunch of skills that, you know, that we can learn. We can, we can learn to be good questioners and better questioners. We can learn Mm, to strengthen certain things. So I, I think it's both a combination Okay. And and yet you said in the beginning that, you know, it's kind of everybody has it or everybody knows intuitively to kind of, it's within everybody in some way or... Well, my experience, Millie, is that with people who in the this field that we're in, um, you know, focusing on this appreciative world view, and if they then choose to move in that direction and make that as who they are in the world, I think my senses and my experience and my, um, you know, my circles suggest that those people um, intuitively are seeking to find 
uh, or seeking affirmation that the way that they're viewing the world is legitimized. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's what I mean. So not, okay. not everybody. So that's, um, so everybody in my experience that, and maybe that's too much of a generalization, but my experience is that people who come into appreciative inquiry and social constructionism and positive psychology, generally speaking, are very curious by nature and want to grow themselves and then are always asking questions. You know, we live in a very, we live in a, an increasingly visual world through TV, right? And we're, we're seeing, you know, things that happen in the world through video on our TVs. And I think that can desensitize us in a way. And until we have the experience ourselves, do we have a real appreciation? I mean, for example, and this is very topical right now, you know, there's been all these terrible floods here in Texas, in the United mm -hmm. States. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, you know, this goes on in Bangladesh and it goes on in, in other parts of the world more frequently. Mm -hmm. And mm. so until you, you know, you see, people here are in horror of, you know, seeing people walking down the streets in water up to their waist. Um, but when you see it happening across the other side of the world, it doesn't impact you the same way. Mm. So it's kind of like that being close to home. So having the personal experience um, mm. is what I think um, makes us more human. And that's, mm. the, that's the contrast as well, you know. The yeah. suffering and yeah. the joy that comes. So it's having that sensibility to both. I'm wondering what is the sensitivity or a sense sensibility? Sensibility is mm -hmm. that the word? Yeah. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So sensibility for me, um, Millie, is being um, aware of the wholeness of people you know, the wholeness of life. So you are, you are able to um, be more mm. sympathetic, compassionate, more sensible mm. to people's emotions, their thoughts, their pain, mm. their joy. Um, it's just that really heightened increase awareness of maybe it's being in that relational space and that relational field where you're actually picking up and that's also to do with energy right you're picking up the vibrations the um you know so often the unspoken in the unobvious things that you see through our eyes or you you, you pick up through our senses you know through our, our visual cues our auditory cues our taste and smell and um, mm. and so on so that sensibility is almost like touching on the things that are not so obvious to our human senses. Do you have a feeling that your kind of sensibility has been growing within your life? Or? Well, um, that's an interesting question that makes me think about my own characteristics. And I've, I've always been acutely empathic okay um so having an empathy uh, just having an empathy really feeling for somebody else and not being able to know why 
I think that is just part of my makeup. And so, and whether that's increased over the years, possibly. Mm. Um, and I hadn't ever thought of that before. Hmm. Me neither. Hmm. What might you think? What, what would you say? I'm, I'm just thinking, is there, is there a possibility that, the, that, that people are in, in generations are becoming more sensible or sensitive or um, intu sensibility? Intuitive, intuitive? Mm. Yeah, um, mm. that is a good question. And, you know, if you go back to what I was saying about seeing things through multimedia, all the visual cues we get, I'm, I don't know whether that, I'm, I was saying that I thought that desensitized us, mm. that, you know, you're seeing something very, um, um, a, sad, a sad thing about humanity or a tragedy that happens or, you know, something yeah. that happens and you're touched for a moment perhaps. And when I say you, I mean, you know, some people, yeah. again, just generalizing yeah. one. So, you know, one is touched for a moment. The lasting impact of that and what it does on the psyche, I don't know. Um, mm. And what it does on young children, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't have that. I can't comment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's an, a, a very big question of our times. Hmm. Yeah, it's like I see when you say that, I come to think about it's like on the one hand, we need to kind of grow thicker skins or mm. something like that. And on the other hand, we need to be able to uh, take layers off so that we are closer or or more naked or more honest in relations. Or mm. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm asking about, you know, where is our humanity? Hmm. Um, how are we showing our humanity today? Yeah. Um, so where do you see these signs? Well, uh, for me, it's the immigration issue, you know. And I have, a, I have a, a whole story connected to immigration because I grew up, my father was an immigration official working for the Australian government and we traveled mm. the world as, as a child. I traveled the world because he was, um, you know, populating Australia with immigrants because Australia needed people. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, he was doing that in the um, 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, and, you know, I traveled the world as a child while he was doing that work. And then my very first job was teaching English as a second language to adult immigrants. And I absolutely love that work. But I was, and I think, and it was always, I was really very attuned to the challenges that these immigrants had in coming to a country as a political refugee, you know, needing to start with finding their own voice in a new country and being able to speak English was a prerequisite and not all of them achieved that. And, you know, the plight of, Political refugees today coming as a result of the political turmoil that's happening, you know, in Syria and so on mm. is mm. to me where we 
where our humanity, you know, we have to ask where is our humanity and to what extent are we able to show that? Some nations are doing it better than others. Some people are doing it better than others. But that's, that's to answer the question around that, um, you know, where is it? Where is it needed? Where is it showing up or not showing up? And in, you know, in a lot of the natural disasters that we have, I mean, this is really dark mm. kind of subject, right? But, um, but it's necessary, you know, we're focusing on here and all the, the unfortunate, tragic things. But this is where we have the opportunity to show our best. And I go through the papers looking for, and when I find them, I'm delighted, you know, where are the stories that give us hope? We see people at their best and you do see these stories too. Uh, when you ask uh, a person for a, a personal story about their their success or their high point or uh, high energy or something, is um, is that often related to to a contrast in their lives? Not necessarily. I mean, if I'm doing this, well, it depends on the situation, of course. And I feel that I could be of support, I might ask, you know, as you think back over these last few days, do you have a time that you can remember where you felt so grateful or you felt that there was hope or mm. you saw, you know, people being really kind and generous to each other? That would be a very conscious way of um, hoping to lift people out of the current you know, adverse situation that they're in to mm. focus for a short while on, yes, you know, I'm alive and there is hope and I mm. do have my child and my dog um, and I'm grateful um, to these rescuers. So, you know, I, I that's a contrast situation. You had a quote, where is it? Yeah, you said sensibility, the awareness of the whole, be a, being aware of the wholeness of people. And I'm like, Can I put that quote on my front page? <laughs> It's like so, yeah. So um, you're welcome. There, that was a lot of good stuff here for mm. me. So I'm, I'm really grateful mm. for that. I'd like to invite you to perhaps talk about your findings when you're finished. I feel that this is my curiosity. I just uh, today, I, I I'm just letting go of everything. I feel like like all my research skills and all my AI skills and, you know, all, all of my skills, really, and then just follow the energy to see where it leads me. And sometimes, you know, something important pops up. And sometimes it's more, you know, like quiet. Or, Aha. Yeah. And you use, you, you use that expression where the energy leads you. Yeah. So what's that? What's that? Yeah. When I'm looking it up in the research, it's like energy, it has so many meanings and so many expli expli um, explanations that are really highly scientific and physics and mechanics and chemistry and everything that I really don't know. Uh, but for me, it really makes sense what you said about energy, like this kind of, um, I don't know, relational energy or um, 
I don't know, human energy, I don't know, but it's something like what is in the, what you describe with the body and the eyes, when, when you see, if, if, when you talk to somebody, something happens and, and some, some things, there are a lot of energy on like specific context or stories and then you carry on going that way uh, and then somebody, some, some other stuff are maybe low on energy and then they are laid to rest and you, or you let go of them or it's not in, even in your relational consciousness in the conversation so i'm just curious about that kind of energy if if that is kind of is it described somewhere or what are people's definition and and do they use it like consciously because people i like you when i ask them they tell about this energy and like they use it strategically and they can see that these questions from ai they get the energy in a specific direction and that's why they keep doing it but i don't know what what the name is or well it's so interesting because I'm thinking as you were talking there Amelia I'm thinking about the last two uh, AI summits that I was part of um, one was the fourth global forum where I was mm. both a facilitator at times and also a participant at times mm. and you know when people were doing report outs after you know conversations in um, in their small circles would talk about the energy and people could feel the energy in the room mm. and um, and there was a heightened energy and an excited and an energy of deep connection. So I think it is that field that um, that is palpable. You know, we we experience it between and among human beings by virtue of what's being shared, how it's being shared, and through our appreciative lens and our, you know, our view of that we we construct reality in relationship with others through the words we use, that mm. we we are we are actually creating a, an energy. Yeah, it's like 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 everyone is a ma magician in the room, and they what they they. Uh, what they do magic with is words mm -hmm. and then stuff come into things like reality mm. Mm. when yeah. and if they choose to act so maybe um, both of us might go off and look more into energy <laughs> yeah. as a result of our conversation yeah well that's good it is isn't it yeah I wonder if there is a concept named relational energy. Mm. Like it feels so common sense. Like we, you and I can talk about it and we kind of know what we're talking about. Mm. But is it like written up somewhere? Mm. Hmm. But you know, yeah. that's, the, that's another point that I, when I talk about appreciative inquiry, you know, and I talk about it, I say it's an experience. You have to experience it to really um, get yeah. it. To, to have a deeper awareness of how it can impact you personally and how it can therefore impact your relationship with other people. So you are not only changing, but you are you know, facilitating change in others and you're changing the relationship at the same time. So I, I, think, um, so I think it is by virtue of how we use our language. Not, you know, um, although, no, not necessarily. I mean, we can use our language in ways that don't serve 
and it has certain consequences or we can use our language in ways that does serve and it has yeah. different consequences. So there's a question about consciousness or awareness or reflection. Mm. Or yeah. And so I've been um, in, in this training that I'm developing at the moment, I'm, it's all about, you know, change um, and, you know, anything, you know, anything that you're attempting to do is really about change. You know, if you have certain habits that you feel can be improved on, it's changing your patterns, changing your behaviors, changing your thinking, changing your beliefs. So, you know, it's mm. all about change. And so I think, you know, in terms of appreciative inquiry, the three principles that really speak to me um, that help one um, have an appreciation for our, the fact that we are constantly changing human beings mm. is that awareness, you know, being very aware of what's going on and then having choices about that. And so, mm. you know, once you are aware of what's happening, like some of the things that we were talking about earlier, so you become aware of it and then you have a choice. What can I do about it? I can just like fleetingly dismiss it or take some action or go out and do some more research about it or start a movement, you know, whatever it is that you might choose. And then as a result of that is that you go and actually put it into practice. So it's mm. that um, enactment principle. Um, yeah. And to me, that's been something that um, has made more and more sense as I think about change in, um, in our world and in ourselves and in our relationships, in our mm. organizations, you know. I see people, you know, wanting to do change but are not able to do that. So what is that about? Who want to but can't? Yeah. But from my appreciative inquiry framework, I would inquire into, you know, when in the past, or tell me a story, when there's been a time in the past where you have undergone some change, whether you chose, I mean, whether you consciously made the choice, so you were in control of a choice, or whether it was imposed on you. Mm, and okay. um, tell me that story. And then, you know, go through, you know, what, what did, what, Did you value about yourself in that? Um, so, you know, it's always making people aware, I think, that's that awareness thing that yeah. they have at some point in their past mm. had this experience. Mm. And if they didn't, well, imagine if you, if you what, what might be a change that you want to make. Um, and that would be the next step, right? Mm. Where did... When did AI? So AI came into the picture when I moved to the U.S. I I moved to the U.S. Um, to marry my husband. <clears throat> um, we we met in Sydney, and um, so I followed him. <laughs> and I had to, we had to get married, otherwise I would have been turfed out of the country and sent back home right. after two years. <laughs> so um, then I. Somebody I was working with said to me, you will love AI. I found something you will love. And, I, and you know, I'm one of these people where intuitively, intuitively it made sense to me. And so I pursued my studies with David Cooper Ryder at Case Western and um, have, it's informed my work um, most, um, you know, acutely ever since. Hmm. So you just knew intuitively. Yeah. How do you know something intuitively? How can you feel that or how? You get goosebumps. 
Goosebumps. <laughs> Yay. You get goosebumps and your heart starts to race and you get these butterflies in the tummy and you just think, oh, my God, this is just so amazing. <laughs> oh, great. So, yeah, it just, it just, it was just another level because I was all, you know, it was about bringing voice. It was about participation. And when you're focusing on what coming from this um, shifting and flipping, you know, 180 degrees from looking at deficits in the world to what's working in the world, that's mm. the intuitive piece. Of course, this makes sense. You know, mm. this is okay. what I've been doing, but I didn't know that there was a legitimate way to do it. Legitimate. So this is also what what the the, the language and the tools provide is can some kind of legitimacy. Correct. Mm -hmm. This is what a lot of um, when I interview people on my podcast, Millie. This is what a lot of them what they say. You know, um, it, finding out that there was a body of work and a the, robust theory, um, a set of principles, and you know, a hmm. process around this. It just gave me. Well, actually, I think I coined, I coined the phrase legitimacy, but what I was hearing is like it gave, it affirmed what I was doing. Okay. And, um, you know, I, and I knew I could do this with greater legitimacy or authority and not feel that um, I'm doing something that people will think, you know, she's a bit wacky or... You know. <laughs> so for me, it pops up like, like also allowance... That yes. it's kind of allowed or accepted or... Yes. And then, yeah, yeah I, it allows you, it gives you permission, right? That's what you're permission. saying? Permission. Yeah, but why do we need permission to do this? What is this about? It's so interesting. Will you tell me? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, think but about the deep, think about our default education system. Yeah, and so the focus we're, we're used to it. Yeah, and the focus of our organizations and, um, mm. you know, the cultures that we have created for ourselves. It's great stuff. This is wonderful. Mm. Mm. I mean, the other thing too, I think, in the United States, by virtue of my cultural imprint coming from Australia um, and having that convict um, background um, as I was, you know, accused of and I'm proud of um, <laughs> was that we tended to have this very anti-authoritarian mindset okay you know being an anarchist so yeah. you don't obey the authorities you go off there and you do your own thing and that mm. that is a little bit of a cultural stereotype for Australians okay so you think about other cultural stereotypes, you have to wonder where that comes from and what yeah. permissions were being sought by people to want to succeed in that culture. Because hmm. it is about, you know, it's about survival hmm. rather than flourishing. I'm so happy I'm into flourishing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, And that's it's something really... that we can help others through how we enter into relationships with them. Yeah. So do you know any people who was into AI and then let go of it and then were like, oh, I'm done with it, I'm, I moved on, I found something better? Or, Well, not that I'm aware of, and if they had, then 
then um, they haven't shared that with me. <laughs> but yeah. I tell you, there is a story that I was interviewing um, a gentleman who is, is I think he, he's an AI practitioner, but he's retired now. And he was using AI in the military. Mm. And he was meeting a lot of resistance. And we know, you know, through some of the seminal AI case studies that, you know, some of the work done with um, the US Navy in the early days was quite transformational for them. Mm. But anyway, this particular guy, he was having challenges using appreciative inquiry in his, um, his in the military where he was working. And mm. I think he, he stopped doing it. Um, so if that's, if that's yeah. an example of what you're thinking about. Um, mm. And then I think, Millie, there's also people who think they know AI because they've gone through one discovery interview <clears throat> and they say, oh, yes, I know, I know about AI or they see the, you know, the, the model, the 4D cycle, and they think they get it mm. and they try it out and it doesn't work for them mm. and um, they might let it go. Um, yeah. So, but I think that's coming from, that's a very different kind of person I think, you know, people who are just looking. And I must say that when I started, when I first heard about um, appreciative inquiry, even though like, it, it met my, it, it fulfilled, you know, the things that I was intuiting, I also went into my AI certificate, my six-month AI certification training mm. with a view also of having another tool in my toolkit. Okay. Until... I went through the discovery interview and at the end of the first day, it was like, oh, my God, this is, this is just so powerful. I'm, 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 I'm really transformed here. So, mm. um, so I think it depends. Um, so I shifted from feeling it was just something I can put in my toolkit and give to my clients or use mm. in, in my practice um, and that was just a that was just a very fleeting kind of old old world view that I had, and it shifted, mm. you know, instantly. This is really really good stuff for me. It was just a nice invitation to just kind of think together. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. It was more like thinking together. Mm -hmm. But it's that's what I needed. So I'm really happy for that. Thank you for taking. You're most time. welcome. Thank you for the invitation and for stimulating me. And we'll create hey. good energy. Okay, okay, bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best.